thinking about hope. You know, hope is what sustains us. As we go to our scripture verse today, Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. From Isaiah, one of the prophecies about Jesus Christ. And as I studied this scripture, as I was thinking about today, as the Lord was giving me this message, I remembered a time, I took in a, 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 one of our landmarks in Kentucky. We have many great landmarks in Kentucky, and one of the world's biggest is Mammoth Cave down near Bowling Green, the world's largest cave system as far as we know. And regularly you hear about them discovering more branches. The cave just goes on and on. I visited it several times. And one time we had uh, Sue's brother up and his family and we took a tour. Went down into the cave and uh, went to Tall Man's Misery, which is a very short and you got to almost get down on your hands and knees to walk through. Went through Fat Man's Misery, which is very thin and had to wiggle through and other places. Well, one place we got down to, the guide is leading us through and telling us stories about the explorers. We got down in there, and then she told us to stand real still, keep close, and then they turned the lights off. I have never experienced darkness like that. I mean, you know, at night it gets dark, but you still got city lights, you got the moon, you got the stars down there. You got nothing. You can hold your hand up right here and you won't see a thing. It's that dark. How many have experienced that? You've been down through? Oh, yeah. Yeah, isn't that something? Can you imagine there were explorers who went down there by themselves and were down in there, and if their light went out or if they extinguished their light to sleep, they were in that abject darkness with not a sound around them. Now, we were fortunate because a guide kept talking or you could hear people next to you, so it kind of uh, controlled the heebie-jeebies a little bit. <laughs> but if you were by yourself in that total darkness, I, I just can't imagine, and I don't want to do it. It is that it was dark. But that is not the darkness that our scripture is talking about. Our passage today talks about people walking in darkness. But God's not talking about lack of light, that kind of light. He has said in John 3.19, he relates it to sin because he says there in John 3.19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Regularly through the Bible, sin and the sinful life is referred to as living in darkness. And Jesus, of course, is referred to as being the light. This was written, Isaiah 9-2, was written about 740 B.C. But since the fall of Adam and Eve, God had sent prophets and judges and other people 
teaching the Israelites how he wanted them to live, teaching them what was right, teaching them how to do what God would want them to do. And there were moments the people responded wonderfully. Typically, if they had a good king, things would be on the upturn, and the king would support the faith following God. David, of course, was good about that. David is said to have a whole heart for God. Even though he had sin, grievous sin, he had a heart for God. He fell as a, a sinful man, but it grieved him, and he desired to please God. Saul, the first king, was said to have no heart for God. Saul was after Saul. He was worried about what Saul wanted. He just did some of the things God said. And then Solomon was the next king. There were three kings of united Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon. Solomon is said to have a half heart for God. So you got Saul with no heart, David with a whole heart, Solomon with a half heart. And we say that about Solomon because he followed after the faith of his father, and he believed in God, but when he married, he married pagan women who brought worship of Baal and Ashtoreth and all of these into the kingdom. And so Saul, Solomon, in spite of all his wisdom, wasn't very wise there, and it, it entered. So God had been talking to the people, teaching them how to live, but Consistently through the Old Testament, we see a downward slope. Even though there were some high moments, the people kept turning away from God. And God tried everything to bring His people into a relationship with Him. He provided for their needs. Some of the best is there in the wilderness when they were wandering, which they were wandering because they didn't obey Him. They rebelled against Him. But even then, he provided food for them in, in the quail and the manna and, and in the water. God provided for his people over and over again. But they kept following their desires, even when he was good to them. He tried discipline over and over again. He would have nations. He would allow nations to come in and conquer Israel. And time after time, they would have another army and the book of Judges is a, is a story of seven cycles when the people would turn away from God and rebel against Him. God would allow an army to come in and oppress them. And after a period of time, the people would cry out to God, Lord, save us. He would save them by raising up a great judge like Gideon or Deborah or uh, Samson, rescue them from the Philistines or other army. And things would be good for a while, and then they'd revert back to their old sinful behavior. God would let them get oppressed again. They'd cry out again. There are seven of those cycles in the book of Judges. We see that over and over again. And it continued on. Throughout the Old Testament, we read of the Assyrians who regularly battled Israel. In Ezra and Nehemiah, we read about Cyrus and Artaxerxes. They were kings of Persia. In Ezekiel and Daniel, we read of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonia. Those kings were followed by the Greeks. Under Alexander the Great, the Greeks conquered vast lands as far as uh, east as India and, and all around the Mediterranean. 
and they were a great nation, but they, they ruled over Israel. And then after Alexander the Great died, the kingdom of Greece was divided into three parts, and then those kind of fell apart. The Romans grew up in strength, and they conquered the Greeks, and they took over. So at the time of Isaiah and afterwards, the Romans are the conquering leaders over the people. And of course, they were completely pagan. They didn't care anything about the Jewish religion. And at the end of Malachi, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. It is also the last of the Old Testament revelation of God. And Malachi chapter 3 is where we have those famous verses where God is calling the people back and, and, and accuses them of uh, belittling his name and of robbing him and calling them back, but the people didn't respond. After the book of Malachi, we have a period of 400 years where there was no revelation from God. We call it the silent 400 years. And it was a time of darkness over the land. It was a time of desperation. The Romans were in control. And it's during that time that there were some faithful Jews that, that tried to keep the worship going. And that's where we have the story of the menorah. The menorah was normally a seven-branched candle that was fed by oil. They had one during this time that was eight branches during the days, and it was a celebration of Hanukkah. They only had oil for one day. The, the, the tradition of that celebration was that the menorah stay lit 24-7 for eight days. They only had oil for one day. But they turned it over to God, and miraculously... The candle burned all eight days celebrating that. That was the period of the Maccabees. The, you may have heard of the Maccabean Revolt. The leader at that time was Antiochus Epiphanes, and he was an especially vile man. He, he desecrated the temple. He actually brought a pig, an unclean animal, to the Jews and slaughtered it on the altar of the temple of Jerusalem. This is the setting that the Jews were in during this silent 400 years. Certainly a dark period in their history. And God's not sending prophets. He's not revealing His Word. Just as darkness represents sin, light represents God. John, 1 John 1.5, John wrote, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. John 8.12 records Jesus as saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As they were in this darkness time, it was easy to lose all hope. It seemed that they were under constant oppression. They'd been carried off to many nations. The Romans were ruling and they were harsh. A dark, dark time. At Christmas, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ. 
That was one reason I wanted to sing, because he lives. We normally sing it at Easter, but that second verse, how sweet to hold a newborn baby. And last week we read the account in Luke 2 of, of Jesus being born in a simple stable in the manger reserved for animals, the Christ child, the Messiah, the King of heaven came to earth. And he started as that little child and he grew up. When Jesus was born, light returned to the world. And with that light, hope. And hope is what sustains us. Hope is what keeps us going when things are dark. And we've had dark times here recently. When times are difficult, hope gives us strength to continue on. When everything within and without says, quit, give up. You'll never survive, much less succeed. Hope keeps us going against overwhelming odds. Too often our hope is placed in our strength and our knowledge. And we survive. We succeed. God has created us with wonderful strength, with wonderful intellect. And and we are capable to address many problems. And it's amazing what mankind has accomplished over thousands of millennia and even today. But there comes a time that our strength is not enough. Sometimes we place our hope in things of chance. We place it in dumb luck like the roll of a dice or the order of how cards fall or random numbers on a lottery ticket. And sometimes we get lucky. And for a while, like I said, our strength and knowledge sustains us, and occasionally the dice cards or numbers fall to our favor. But ultimately, those things we trust in fail us, and we face our struggles afresh. But hope has come into the world. Light has returned. A strength that cannot be defeated is ours to claim. A wisdom that can't not be outsmarted is ours to acquire. The instruments of chance can be discarded because a sure hope has come. Jesus brings us a hope that conquers. That hope began when the Christ child was born in the stable in Bethlehem. That hope grew into a man who taught us a new way to live. That hope was crucified on the cross and the powers of darkness thought they had won again. But the failure of the crucifixion was the winning game plan. The crucifixion was planned long before the dawn of time. The crucifixion looked like defeat from human perspective, but in God's hands, it was the salvation of mankind. The crucifixion was the beginning of hope. Hope found in its full form in the resurrection of Jesus Christ a few days later. Because He lives, we have life. Because He lives, we can ascend into heaven when He calls us home. Because He lives, we have a sure and solid foundation for our hope that God is alive and living with us today. Because He lives, we can face tomorrow. Hope is a present wrapped 
and the body of Christ. But like any present, it's useless unless it's received and enjoyed. You know, I, I remember several times my mom making a birthday cake or just making a cake. And she'd decorate it and it'd be sitting there and she'd say, boy, that's too pretty to eat. And it was. But you know what? That cake wasn't any good until we took that knife and sliced it and ate it. Presents are useless just sitting there wrapped up. They're beautiful to look at. And we teased my wife. Uh, she shared with you she grew up in Kenya. And in Kenya, especially back when she was a little girl, it was very difficult to get things like wrapping paper. So you didn't rip into a present like we do in America. You gently undo the tape, you slide the box out, and you save that paper for the next time. So it's taken a few years because Sue used to do that here in America when we would have Christmas and we'd sit there impatient. <sighs> waiting on mom to do the tape and pull it out. I think we finally Americanized her a little bit. She, she tore the paper. But a present needs to be opened to see what's inside, to be able to use it. And that's the way it is with Jesus Christ. He is a gift to us. And you need to receive that gift and appropriate it for your, our, your use. He wants you to use Him in that way. He wants you to receive the gift. And our concern here as, as Christians within this room and, and within this world is that some, and we know, don't know Him they don't have that knowledge. They don't have that hope. They have to rely on their strength or knowledge. They have to rely on chance because they do not know the blessed hope that has come. And we are here wanting to share that. Our deepest desire is today that if anyone does not know Him in that way, has not received that gift of salvation, that they would receive Him that they would take that present, that gift, and enjoy it and receive the abundant life. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that more abundant. And he has, he has said that I am going to prepare a place for you and if I go, I will come back and take you to be with me. That's, <coughs> pardon me, that's a hope that we have. That's a sure hope. It's based in a God who is without darkness. It's based in a God who does not lie. It's based in a God who is all-powerful and can accomplish anything. And He has. And He's made a way. And so it is a sure hope. It's not a, 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 a hope that we talk about today where we don't know that it's going to occur. Hope in the New Testament is a sure hope that we're just looking forward to what has not yet come. And we want you to know that. The Savior is waiting. And we want those who don't know Him to open their heart to Him. It's as easy as ABC. Admit you need Him. Believe that Jesus has done this work on your behalf.
and commit your life to him. ABC, anyone can do it. So if you don't know Jesus Christ today, and, and those of you who may be watching the live stream, we're, we're talking to you as well, that there is a Christ out there who has come to bring light to your darkness, who has come to shed light through the world, and He's got a present for you. And so we hope you'll receive it. But Christians, it's easy to look around us and see ruin and feel failure. It's easy to lose hope when we struggle year after year, when things don't go our way. And the enemy wants you to lose hope because hope propels us forward. When we have that sure hope in Jesus Christ, we keep striving to live for Him. We keep telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. But when we lose hope, we shrivel into a quivering mass and do nothing. So the enemy wants us to lose hope. He comes and he attacks. And if you're feeling defeated today, the day after Christmas is a great time to renew your faith. It's a great time to remember that when Jesus comes, this little baby that we celebrate all the decoration that we have around us on a beautiful day, the little mangers, is all a time to renew our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. That even though things are going against us, even though things are wrong, even though there's loss, we have a Savior. And we have eternal life. And one day that will all fall away from us. And will ascend to be with Him in glory. Where it says He will wipe every tear from their eye. And there will be no more sadness, no more sorrow. It's going to be gooder than we realize. And we have that now, even though it hadn't occurred. So if you're feeling defeated, I urge you to renew your faith. Trust Him. Ask Him to strengthen you for the battles. And finally, Praise Him for the victory. We have a sure blessed hope, and that is why the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8.37, Know in all these things we are more than conquerors, not through our strength, but through Him who loved us so. The battle's won. We're just waiting for the end. So you are a child of the King. And your Lord has delivered you. His Spirit has indwelt you and is ready to strengthen you and give you wisdom that overcomes. And because of that, because of that hope, we can take that verse in Philippians 4.4 that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. There is darkness around us. And I don't know if you have thought about it or, or, or this just came to mind, but there's really kind of three, three parts of salvation. When we accept Christ as Savior, we are saved from the penalty of sin. We are saved from that sin nature that separates us from God. All through our life as we live for Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are saved from the power 
of sin. Satan really has no power over us. He can defeat us with thoughts. He can come against us. But the Holy Spirit is there giving us victory. So we're saved from the penalty of sin. We're saved from the power of sin. And praise God, one day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. And when we go to be with Him, there won't be any more darkness. There won't be any more of the troubles we have here on earth. We're going to be with Him in glory. And it's better than we can ask, think, or imagine. And I hope you know that. I hope that you know that you know that you know that if something should happen and your heart should quit this afternoon and you're, that you'll be in the presence of the Lord. Jesus told the thief on the cross, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. It's an immediate thing. We can know that through the power of Jesus Christ. And there's another question that is asked in a certain venue of sharing one's faith. It says, if you know that, and, and if that tragedy should happen, and you're standing before Almighty God at the gates of heaven, it's not going to be your aunt or uncle, it's not going to be your preacher, your Sunday, it's going to be Jesus God standing there. And he says, why should I let you in? What are you going to tell them? If you tell them I've tried to be good, it's not good enough. If you tell them I've been Baptist all my life, it doesn't count. If you tell them anything other than I believed on Jesus Christ as God's Son and that He died for my sins, rose again after being crucified on the cross, and now I'm a child of the King. And that's when... God will say, enter into my, your treasure, my servant. Enter into your rest. I hope you have that sure knowledge today as we wind up 2021. And I hope that as you grasp that, you'll have a renewed hope into 2022. Our world needs it. And God needs you to know Him, to live in the strength, to share that good news to others that there's a present waiting. Stand with me as we close in prayer.